0: Romans chapter seven is where we're going to be this morning. I'm really excited uh, to get into Romans seven this morning. So if you if you've been with us, we have been going through the book of Romans, uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. In the book of Romans, chapters six through eight are really probably the most powerful chapters uh, in your New Testament. In order to live victoriously as a child of God, they really give us the victory and the keys to victory. over our flesh, over, over, the, over the law, and how to walk in the Spirit. And we see that in chapter 6, 7, and 8. And so uh, this morning, we're going to pick up the, the passage in verse 14. Uh, we had a missionary with us last week. And so uh, two weeks ago, we, we kind of got through the first several verses of Romans. We're going to pick it up in verses 14 to 25. The title of the sermon this morning is, O Wretched Man. You ever known anybody that's wretched? Don't look at the person next to you. <laughs> Or your spouse. The reality is, as we get through this passage today, every one of us are going to realize that we, just like the Apostle Paul, are wretched men and women. You say, Jay, I feel really good this morning. Don't ruin it for me. I'm not going to ruin it for you, uh, but I'm going to expose some reality that's true of all of us that are born-again believers in Christ, that we have a battle within us, uh, just like the Apostle Paul had, And, and it brings us to a realization that, you know what? We are so wretched that we need Christ for victory, and we need him every single day. We don't just need him at the point of salvation. We need him every single day, and so uh, that's going to be where we launch from this morning. Romans 7, verses 14 to 25. Follow along if you want on the screen. Paul writes to the, the believers at Rome, and he says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, in other words, what I would do, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. And man, listen, as we read through this passage, you're going to think Paul's crazy. And, but he's not crazy. He's just like you, and he's just like me. And he says, There's some good things that I wish I could do, but I don't do those things. And there's some bad things that I don't want to do. I end up doing those things. And those are the things that really make me realize, man, I'm broken and wretched. Verse 16 If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law It is no more I that doeth, but sin that dwelleth in me. And again, man, you read that and you're like, whoa, he's so confused. We are too. (laughs) We are too. He says, then I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. There it is. Who shall deliver me from this bo- the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Man, listen that, that is not an easy passage necessarily. And when you read it, it's like, okay, wait, he's going to do, but he's not doing, and he hates one thing, but he does what he. Okay, we're going to break it down. We're going to study it together. We're going to see how it applies to Paul's life. We're going to see how it applies to our life as well. So let's pray. Ask God to teach us this morning. Father, again, we thank you for the time. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. And and we thank you that you've gathered us together today uh, by divine appointment. Lord, we're all here uh, to hear from you. And so, Lord, as we open your word, uh, God, may your Holy Spirit take it, reveal truth to us. May you lodge it into our heart and into our mind so that we can become more like Christ. God, we thank you again uh, for for the opportunity to be here and to hear from you and, and to just fellowship with this church family. And now we ask that you bless the time and teach us as only you can, and we ask it all in Christ's name, amen. So this morning, we are going to deal with the issue of the dual nature of every born again believer. Uh, you, are, you are dual in nature as a child of God. In other words, you have two different things pulling at you, trying to gain control, and uh, you know... A couple of weeks ago we were talking about this and, and somebody mentioned, yeah, growing up watching cartoons, you know, cartoons back in the old day were really good and they were actually full of biblical truth and you would watch, you know, Bugs Bunny or, or something like that and on one shoulder would be an angel and one shoulder would be the devil and they're both like spitting uh, words into his ears trying to pull him to make a decision in the right direction and you didn't even know it but you were growing up learning doctrine uh, from 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 Looney Tunes because you are loony, right? Okay, so... This morning, we're going to deal with the reality of the dual nature of of a believer in Christ, And, and I use that phrase very specifically because if you are not born again, this doesn't apply to you. This passage won't make sense to you. You won't understand what it means, but if you are truly born again, in other words, you're saved, you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is really your present standing, and this is the reality that you face every single day. As a child of God. And so number one, I want to communicate to you the reality of what I'm calling dueling natures in your heart and life. We all, as as children of God, have dueling natures within us. If you go back to the verse, verse 14, it says this, "'For we know that the law is spiritual, but I,' Paul says, "'I am carnal, sold under sin, for that which I do, I allow not.'" for what I would in other words what I would do ah that do I not but what I hate that do I if then I do that which I would not I consent to the law that it is good and and we saw earlier in Romans chapter 7 that the law God's word God's commandment is holy we saw that God's commandment is just we saw God's commandment is good now we see God's word is spiritual but here's what we got to understand when we got saved, when, when you received the gospel of Jesus Christ, God did not change your old nature. Now, you listen, God did not change your old nature. He didn't cleanse your old sinful nature. He didn't reform your old sinful nature. The Bible says that you were born again. You experienced a new birth. You were born into the family of God. You were born By the Spirit of God, you were born by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. God didn't make you better. At salvation, God made you new. Can we get an amen right there? That's what salvation is. And and if you're waiting to get good enough or better enough to be considered a child of God, quit trying that (laughs) because it doesn't work. We have to come to Christ, and when we come to Christ... He is what brings about a newness. It's a new life in us. And the point is, when you get saved, you still have an old nature. You still have an old, sinful, wicked flesh. And church, listen, your your old nature and my old nature is just as wicked. It's just as sinful. It's just as corrupt. It's just as anti-Christ as it was the minute before you got saved, it's just as wicked and corrupt and evil. And so what that means is that now that old man has the potential to still be active in my life and in your life. It, it still wants to do evil, and yet there is this other nature now that we have inside of us because of who we are in Christ. It's the Spirit of God. It's Christ in us. And that is pulling us to please God and to walk with God and to do things that honor God and to do good. But we have this old man that's still trying to bring us back into the bondage of sin. We have two dueling natures as a child of God. And Paul said, the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, I'm fleshly. And then he uses the phrase, I'm sold under sin. I'm sold under sin. And I I find that very interesting. That phrase is very, very interesting to me. Sold under sin. Well, we're going to go back to the Old Testament for just a second, and we're going to look at an example of a man named Joseph. Do you guys remember Joseph in the Bible? Joseph was sold by his brethren into captivity, into slavery, and Joseph's story in a a type or a picture is going to show us how our flesh... Tries to bring us into captivity, and so the example that that we're going to look at is that Joseph was sold by his flesh, his own flesh and blood. He was sold into captivity and ultimately brought to Egypt into bondage. And you say, "Man, how you how you get that, Jay?" Well, let's look at Genesis thirty-seven, and I I want to show you a couple things about this story in the Old Testament. Genesis thirty-seven, verse twenty-seven. The Bible. Says, this is what his brothers say. Joseph's brothers, come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, and our he is our flesh. And his brethren were content, and there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. And they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Why did Joseph's flesh sell him into captivity? Well, if you remember the story of Joseph earlier in the chapter, Joseph was a dreamer. Do you guys remember this? Joseph was a dreamer, he actually had two dreams. Both of those dreams, the, 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 the teaching of both of those dreams was that God was going to exalt him and his entire family was going to bow down and submit themselves to his authority, right? And, and it, again, read chapter 37, you'll get all the pieces of that. I think it's very interesting that when you read Genesis 37 and, and you go back to the first part of the passage, Joseph also told on his brothers As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when when Joseph was 17 years old, he was feeding the flock with his brethren, and and it it talks about who he was with, and the Bible says that Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. In other words, his brethren were evil, and Joseph went to his father and said, he told on them. Nobody likes a snitch, right? Nobody likes a tattletale you know, if you have siblings, you don't want to be the sibling that tells on your brothers or sisters, but you should because if they're evil and doing evil, you should go ahead and tell on them so they get punished. Okay, so, but I'm just saying that. Look, look, Joseph's brethren are a picture of our flesh, and Joseph's brethren sold him into captivity because they were evil. And friend, your your flesh is evil. You see, you see, you got. You got changed when you were born again. Christ made you a new creature, but you have an old sinful flesh that is wicked and corrupt and antichrist and evil. How evil is it? It's so evil that it wants to sow the righteousness, the righteous man in you, the, the born again man in you, it wants to bring you into bondage, it wants to bring you into slavery. You see, his brethren were evil, and Joseph was good. Joseph is one of the greatest pictures in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ. He's one of the greatest pictures of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Secondly, the Bible tells us that his flesh, Joseph's brethren, they were jealous of the father's love for Joseph. And again, just listen to the verse. These aren't on the screen. Genesis 37 and verse 4, the Bible says, when his brethren saw that their father loved him, loved Joseph more than all his brethren, they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably to him. Do you know that, that because of who you are in Christ, you are the recipient of the Father's unmeasurable love? That's who you are in Christ. you become a child of God. You've become a son of God. And I'm telling you, there is an envious, corrupt, evil flesh that absolutely hates that fact. Because in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. It cannot please God. Our flesh cannot please God. And that flesh, that old nature still pulls against us. It's jealous of the Father's love for the new man that's in us. And then thirdly, Joseph's brethren were unwilling to submit themselves to Joseph's authority. And again, Joseph had two dreams. Those dreams, those revelations were from the Lord. And those revelations literally meant that Joseph was going to reign over his brethren. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 37, verse 8, his brethren said unto him, Shall thou indeed reign over us? Or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And the Bible says they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Joseph's flesh did not want to submit to God-ordained authority. And yours doesn't either. Yours doesn't either. And the authority is God's word. The authority is Christ in our life. That's what the flesh does. It's evil. It's jealous. It's unwilling to submit to God's authority in our life. And our flesh is so wicked. Listen, church, it sells us out. It puts us in bondage. And as a child of God, it tries to lock us in the dungeons of Egypt for its own gain. Well, Paul, Paul had it right. He said, Man, I'm carnal. I'm sold under sin. Just like Joseph. My flesh wants to lock me down, sell me out. It wants what's best for it, not for me and not for God. And Paul, Paul certainly knew what carnality was. When, when Paul says of himself that he is carnal, well, all you have to do is go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because Paul dealt with a church. It was the church at Corinth. And this church was carnal. And what the word carnal means, it just means fleshly, living in the flesh instead of the spirit. So Paul writes to the the Corinthian church. And in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, look what he says. He says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you. He's writing to save people. I can't speak unto you as unto what? As unto spiritual. I have to speak unto you as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Four times in this passage, he calls them carnal. <laughs> uh, repetition is the price of learning. I think somebody <laughs> says that. I mean, if somebody's saying the same thing to you four times in a row, do you think he's trying to communicate the point? You're carnal. He says, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For one of you saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? And let me just make a few comments here. Look, carnality in the life of a Christian means that you can only tolerate milk, and you can't handle meat. You can't handle the strong doctrine of God's Word. That's a sign of carnality. Another sign of carnality is envyings among you, strife among you, and divisions among you. You say, Jay, quit preaching now. Okay? Get back to Joseph. Get back to Paul. You know, we can, we can recognize carnality pretty easy. Listen to me. Generally, we can recognize it in the lives of other people. Hello? We, we, we would say right now, as we're reading about Corinth, you know what? I know exactly who you're talking about, Jay, and they're sitting right next to me, but I don't want to look at them right now because that would be too obvious. Or or we would say, you know what, Jay, that person that you're talking about, actually, I wish they were at church today so they could hear this. See, we're really good at, at picking out carnality in the lives of other people, but the truth is it takes one to know one. And Paul, the greatest Christian in the Bible, said, I'm carnal. I'm carnal. And can I just tell you, friend, if Paul was carnal, you are too you are too. You are too. So turn your halo off high. Let's get real for a minute. Paul called out the the believers at Corinth, but then Paul had enough integrity to call himself out and say, you know what? I ain't got it all figured out either. And as a matter of fact, when I read Romans 7, it proves that he didn't have it all figured out because he had the same struggle that you got. He's got the same struggle I got. Paul Paul was willing to be transparent and say, you know what? Uh, I still have a problem with this old nature. This old nature is a present reality in my life, just like it is in your life. And I'm just going to tell you, church, the price of admission to spiritual maturity is admitting that you don't have it together either. It's admitting that you don't have it together either. You see, it's easy for us to spot carnality in the lives of other people, the lives of people we minister to, the lives of people that we disciple, our spouse, our children, You can spot it a mile away. The reality is, can you spot it in the mirror? And I hope you can. Because if you fail to realize the dueling natures in your own life, you'll never be victorious. You'll always be critical and you will never gain the victory. Paul says, look, that which I do, and he's talking present tense, that which I do not what I did, past tense. That which I would do, that do I not, presently. What I hate, that do I, presently. This is a real struggle in Paul's life, presently. It's a real struggle you're having right now, sitting in this church, trying to listen to God's word when your flesh wants to shut you down, to not pay attention, to listen to your gut because I gotta have lunch. It's the same reality that we face every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time we get up in the morning and we know we need to spend time with God and get in his word and read the Bible and be discipled and pray and do ministry. It is the same present reality that we all live in. And so the key principle is, as a believer in Christ, I am both spiritual and carnal. I'm spiritual and carnal. And I got to i got to recognize that one of those two is going to win today. The spiritual nature or the carnal flesh that is against God. The second thing I want to show you this morning is the reality of dual dwellings. The the reality of dueling dwellings. You have two natures, and because of those two natures, you have two entities, two things that are dwelling in you. Paul says in verse 17, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin, listen, that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do I do not. But the evil which I would not do, well, that's what I do. Now, if I do that, which I would not, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Here's a key principle that you need to get down. Sin still dwells in the life of a believer. Sin still dwells in the life of the believer. Why? Because you have two dueling natures, and those dueling natures dwell in your life, and they are constantly at battle and at war with each other. And your sinful flesh, listen, it is still in you, your sin nature is still in you, it is no good to God, it desires to do evil, and it fights against the very spirit of God that God put in you. As a matter of fact, Galatians chapter five, verses 16 and 17 says this. "This I say, then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the." Do you know why Paul said that in Galatians? Because you have both. You have both dwelling in you as a saved man or a saved woman or a saved child. You have both of those fighting inside of you right now. And the Bible says in verse 17 that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. And don't you know, man, don't we all know Today's the day I'm going to get in the Bible. Today's the day I'm going to read through the New Testament. I'm going to start today. Today's the day I'm going to read through 52 weeks of pursuit. I'm making that commitment today. I'm going to start today. Today's going to be the day I show up on church early. Today's the day I'm going to get discipled. Today's the day I'm going to do something for God. And then we don't. (laughs) Because the Spirit of God is lusting against our flesh and the flesh against the Spirit. And we can't do the things that we want to do. That sinful flesh, that sinful nature still dwells in you and still dwells in me, but I want to give you the good news. you got something else dwelling in you as a child of God. you got something else dwelling in you. There's something else that has taken up residency in your heart and life, and the first thing is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God now dwells in you as a believer in Christ. That's why Paul said in Galatians that these two things are warring. They're they're lusting against each other. He says in Romans 8 and verse 11, If the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies, listen, by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. The resurrection Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from death to life is the Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God that dwells in you as a child of God. Don't minimize the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. It is the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It is the power of the resurrection. It is the power of life. That is what is in you as a child of God. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is the thing that is constantly warring against your old flesh, pulling you to do what pleases God. Well, I also want you to know that God himself dwells in you, and that's really implied by the Holy Spirit. The first John chapter 4 and verse 5, excuse me, verse 15 says this, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. You got the, you got the power of the Holy Spirit of God that's in you. You got God himself in, in you. Listen, Colossians 1, listen to this. Colossians 1 says that it's Christ that's in you, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is the reality of the two dwellings. You know, we're in 1 John on Wednesday night, and, and we, we've, the passage is not on the screen, but, but we've gone to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9. And you've heard this verse before, most of you. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. And some people like to take that out of context and say, well, if you've ever sinned, you you never really got saved to to start with. No, you really are biblically ignorant and you don't understand Romans chapter 7 because the spiritual part of me that has truly been born again doesn't sin. What sins is my old nature, my old flesh. And so we have those two dwellings in us. Now, let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. Who do you want to win in your life? I think, I think most of us would say we want God to win. As a matter of fact, if you would say that you want your flesh to win, you need to check and see if you're really saved or not. <laughs> so the key question is, what is your want to, in the words of Sam Miles, what is your want to set to? What do you you want to win in your life? Do you want your flesh to win? And the answer to that hopefully is no. And you have to understand that everywhere the flesh is going to take you, it's always going to lead to bondage and captivity and death. But the Spirit of God is of resurrection and of life and of glorifying God. What do you want to win in your life? Now, Now, I'm going somewhere with this because we got to make the choice. We got to make sure our want to is set to who's going to get the victory. And let me give you one last verse out of Colossians, Colossians chapter three, verses 16. You know, your old nature dwells in you. The spirit of God dwells in you. There's one thing that you need to make sure dwells in you that doesn't happen when you get saved. It's a conscious choice every day. Colossians three and verse 16, the Bible says, let the word of Christ, what? Dwell in you richly. Now, now, look, I ain't got all this figured out yet, but I, do, I, I know I have an old nature that's in me. I know I have a new nature that's in me. I know that old nature is sinful, it's fleshly, it's carnal. I know this new nature is born of God, it's the Spirit of God, it's Christ in me, it's the new man. Well, how do I tip the scales to win that battle? You do it by the Word, and you got to let the Word of God dwell in you richly. You have to let it. You have to let it. It doesn't happen. Wouldn't it be nice if we just got saved, and it was just like the Matrix, and it automatically downloaded, and we had everything available? Right, Greatest movie ever, by the way. It, it just downloaded right then, right there. I know Kung Fu, and I also know the King James Bible, and, and there it is. Boom. I got it. It doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen like that. You have to make a choice to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And can I tell you, that's the thing that tips the scales. That's the thing that tips the scales. It is interesting that that flesh lusteth against spirit and spirit against the flesh. And you would say, well, the Spirit of God is greater than my flesh. He, He is, absolutely. But the Spirit of God always works hand in hand with the Word of God. And if you don't have the Word of Christ dwelling in you richly, That may be why you're losing the battle. You see, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says this, It's God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay, well, well, how does God work in me to make sure that his will and his pleasure is accomplished? He works in me when I let the word of Christ dwell in me. He can now take the word of God and make it practical in my life. And so here's the key to victory. Look, God can work when I allow God's word, the word of God and the spirit of God to dwell actively in my life. Let me say it again. God can work when I allow the word of God and the spirit of God to dwell actively in my life. I'm looking at my time and realizing I need 30 more minutes. That's always a bad thing. Look at number three. Let's move quickly. Number three is this. I want to show you that. So we've seen the reality of dueling natures. We've seen the reality of dueling dwellings. Now we're going to see the reality of dueling laws. The reality of dueling laws. Look at verse 21. Let me just say this before we move on. Look, if you're not in the book, make today the day that you start getting in the book. Make today the day. Don't feel bad about not being in the book up till today. Just make today the day. I'm going to commit to be in the book and then get in the book today. If you make that commitment today, get in the book today. Find somebody to hold you accountable. Find somebody to love you. Find somebody to help you walk through the 52 weeks of pursuit. Say, I need it's never a bad day when somebody texts me or emails me or calls me and says, Jay, I need to be discipled. That's never a bad day. And if you told me that and I haven't acted on it, please tell me again because I tend to forget things. Seriously. I need to be discipled. I need to grow in God's word. Make the point to let the word of God dwell in you. Get it in you. Be at church. Be at church. Be at church so you can learn it. Your flesh doesn't want you here. (laughs) And I'm telling you, the spiritual battle that happens on Sunday mornings for every family in this church is a reality. Can I just tell you? Kids going crazy. You don't sleep good. You know, you stay up too late watching football, you know. Roll Tide. Anyway, so <laughs> I mean, look, we all do it. Let's just be honest. I'm carnal. You are too. Okay, <laughs> I, takes one to know one, and I know me, so I can spot it a mile away. Look, man, we, we all face the reality of that struggle. It's work. It's 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 responsibilities. It's feeling. It's how we feel, man. We don't. I, I woke up this morning. I felt like garbage. Just honestly, didn't sleep good weather change. Okay, look, there always is going to be something that pulls that flesh away from the things that God wants. There's always going to be something. We just got to choose. We just got to let that word of God dwell in us so that we can tip the scales and get the victory. Okay, number three, the reality of dueling laws, verse 21. So Paul says, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And he's going to, you're going to see two different laws mentioned in this passage. I'd, For I delight in the law of God, listen, after which man? The inward man, not the outward man. I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, just like Joseph, to the law of sin which is in my members. So there's two different laws. Number one is the law of God. And can I just tell you, that God, we, we said a couple of weeks ago, the law of God is just, again, synonymous with God's word. Certainly it applies to the first uh, you know, five books, Moses' writings, but, but practically it just deals with the word of God itself. This law of God, listen, it brings delight to the inward man. If you really are saved, there is a part of you that delights in hearing God's word it, 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 and it may hurt a little bit, but I'm just telling you, there's a part of you that yearns and desires and hungers for God's Word, and, and you may stifle it, and you may let your flesh win, but I'm telling you, as a, re, as a real Christian, you have to have that desire. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsels of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Listen. This blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. There is a a Christ in you, part of you, the inward man part of you, that needs, desires, and delights in God's word. And as much as the flesh part of you is like, man, please get done so I can get out of here. If you really are saved, the spirit man part of you is like, I need to hear this. Keep bringing it. God, give me what I need. Psalm 119 and verse 70. I found this when I was studying this. I just thought it was funny. Their heart is as fat as grease. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> but I delight in thy law. So I would, the J translation of that is, I love bacon, Amen. but I should love your, your, your law more. <laughs> I figured that was appropriate for American dietary... Culture. Okay, so Psalm 119 and verse 92, since you guys aren't following me on that. Uh, you carnal people. Hey, I'm carnal too. Okay, verse verse 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have then perished in mine affliction. How about that? You ever suffered a little bit in life? You ever suffered some affliction in life? There's a spiritual part of you longs so much for God's word that, that if it doesn't get it, if it doesn't become the very delight and the sustenance and the nourishment of your spiritual life. It'll kill you, man. Life will beat you up. You'll lose in your affliction. That's why you need to be in the Bible. That's why you need to be in 52 weeks of pursuit. That's why you need to be discipled. God's Word brings delight. The, the law of God brings delight to the inward man. Number two, it, it brings. It allows me as a child of God to have a renewed mind. And Romans 12 is not on the screen, but let me just read it to you. The Bible says, Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the, the, the law of God is able to change your mind. That's all Christianity is. God just wants you to think like He thinks. He wants, you, he wants to move you from the way you think and line up your mind with the way He thinks. And if you spend time in God's Word and you read and study and pray and, and it becomes your delight, well, all of a sudden now, you start thinking like God thinks. And that, that brings pleasing to God. Okay, but here's the contrast. we have this other law that's fighting against this, and it is the law of sin. It is the law of sin and listen that verse tells you in verse twenty three this this there's this other law, another law in my members and and listen, it wars against the law of my mind. it wars against the law of my mind and listen, if you don't win you let me let me back up if you don't have anything in your mind to combat this law of sin, it will always win. In other words, if you haven't, our culture tells us to empty our mind. God never told you that. God said, you better have a renewed mind. You better fill your mind with my word because there's a war that's raging. I just need to go empty my mind. You better not. (laughs) You better not empty your mind. You better fill it. You better delight in God's word. You better renew your mind based on what God's word says. This is, this is a war. God didn't call this a struggle. He didn't call it a shortcoming. He didn't call it a personality flaw that you have. God says that your sin nature is at war against your mind. And it's more real with respect to those who have served. It's more real than any physical war that's ever been fought on this planet. First Timothy chapter 1, and verse 18 says this. Paul writes to his son in the faith, and he says, I charge you, uh, I commit, this charge I commit unto thee, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went, which went on before thee, that thou by, by them, by these prophecies, by God's word, mightest war a good warfare. You better get in your mind this morning, Christian, that the Christian life is a war. It's a war. The devil takes it more serious than, than most Christians take it. And we prove that by the way that we act in our response to God's Word. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You're in a war. Whether you like it or not, you're in a war. And, and if you really understand you're in a war, you're not going to entangle yourselves with the, the affairs of this life so that you can please Him, please God, who hath chosen you to be a soldier. That war is against your mind. That war is ultimately going to lead to your captivity because the law of sin, as Paul says, brings me into captivity. Just like Joseph, your flesh serves the law of sin. It brings you into bondage to a master that you've already been freed from in Christ. It brings you back into bondage to the master that you've already been freed from. And it shows up in your members. And, and, and when God uses that word members, he uses it specifically a couple of different ways. But in this context, Paul is talking about his actions. Colossians 3 talks about some of those members. What do they look like? He says in Colossians 3, verses 5 to 9, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And he, and he begins to list things that literally are the manifestation of when the sin nature wins in our life. This is what it looks like. Fornication, uncleanness. Inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which which is idolatry, idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them, but now put off all these. Anger, that's just the work of your flesh. Wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. It's just the work of your flesh. You're losing the battle because the Word of God is not dwelling in you. Lie not one to another. So a Christian that lies is not walking in the Spirit. Can I just say that? You okay with that? A Christian that lies is just not walking in the Spirit. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. And if we had time, the rest of chapter 3 tells you what to put on. Put some things off. Okay, so lastly, look. At this point, we all realize, hey, I'm like Paul, man. I'm wretched. (laughs) You're reading my mail because this is what I deal with every day, hourly. I want to do right, I do wrong. I I don't want to do wrong, but I end up doing it. I want to do right, but I end up not doing it. Oh, there's a battle raging. There's a war raging. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all of us. As a child of God, that's all of us. So let me give you the last point, because here's the victory, the reality of deliverance. The rea- you know, if we if we to stop the message, we would not have good news. I mean, it's all bad news. <laughs> Thank God for the good news. Amen. Okay, so look back at the verse, verse twenty four. If you're in your Bible, look. Oh, wretched man that I am! And Paul asked the question, "Who shall deliver me from the body of this death?" My physician. My spouse, my pastor, my counselor, who's going to deliver me? I need help. Okay, he's going to tell you who can deliver you. Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who shall deliver me? The answer is Christ. The answer is Christ And Paul says, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin, he's saying, look, I'm wretched. This war is tearing me apart between my flesh and spirit, between my mind and my flesh, between the law of God and the law of sin. Who is going to deliver me from the body of this death? And the answer, and the only answer can be Christ. Now, In Ephesians chapter 4, it's not on the screen, but but God's Word tells us, and and we understand the context of Ephesians 4. Look, the verse says, wherefore he saith, in verse 8, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. And I understand the doctrinal significance of what that's saying in Ephesians 4 concerning the resurrection and those Old Testament saints that were captive in Abraham's bosom. But I'm just telling you, the only one that can lead captivity captive is Christ. He, he and he alone is able to capture, captive, the captivity that the law of sin is capturing you with. You see, the reality is our flesh never has been, never will be any good to us. The Christian, for the Christian, the best thing that can happen to our flesh, it isn't counseling, it isn't therapy, it isn't, it isn't re-education, it isn't us whipping it into shape or submission. The best thing for our flesh is the rapture of the church Amen. where we are freed from the body of this death. And that'll make you pray different if you really believe that. That'll make you pray even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. And when the re- when the reality of that spiritual warfare really sinks in in your heart and life, you and I will understand, man, we are some wretched wretched individuals. And you won't be praying that, Lord Jesus, wait till I get married before you come. Wait till I get my job before you come. Wait till I have kids before you come. Wait till I buy my land and build my pond so I can fish. You won't pray any of that. You'll pray, Lord, today, please come. Please come. Because, because I need deliverance from this body of death. I'm telling you, listen, that, that is the last day that you will have to deal with this war that rages between your flesh and the Spirit of God. When that day comes, the victory is won. The victory is already won in Christ. But man, God stamps it and seals it and secures it on that day. But until then, we are still called to walk victoriously. And guys, listen, we cannot do it without Christ. And literally, practically, we cannot do it without dwelling in his word and allowing his word to dwell in us. And to appropriate it and to walk by faith and I got one more verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. I don't even think I put it on the screen, but, but this is a great verse. Because our flesh brings us into captivity. God says that we can win the war of our mind by bringing our thoughts into captivity. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says this, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity... Every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you and I think the way God thinks, and when we take any thought that's not lining up with the Word of God, when we take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ, there's the key. There's the key. And very practically, man, I don't feel like I want to go to church today. Okay, well, that's a thought that needs to be taken captive. I don't feel like I need to read my Bible today, or I don't want to read my Bible today, man. I just, ugh, I just don't want to do it. That's a thought that needs to be taken captive. I don't want to get discipled, and I don't want to, man, who knows who I'll be put with. I don't even understand what that's all about. That's a thought that needs to be taken captive. Uh, man, I think so-and-so is just, I think they got it against me in the church. I don't even, that's an imagination that needs to be taken captive. The battle starts and ends in the mind. And if you'll let the Word of God dwell in you and renew your mind, well, the truth is Christ can give you the victory. Amen? All right, we are way out of time. Let me me pray for us. I think that was important to plow through because we needed it. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray.